0: Hello, theologizers. Welcome to another episode of Theo Bros with uh, me and uh, Brett.
1: Hey, Ben, you forget my name there for a second? Yeah, so, uh, yep, here you're, I am. You're a, for,
0: you're a forgettable guy.
1: Well, yeah, touche. I, I, I ain't going to deny that. But even though I'm forgettable, I'd still say I'm Ben's uh, better and older half, uh, Brett. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, indeed. It's the
0: Advent season. Uh, the Incarnation and all that glorious stuff. So uh, I thought that we would continue our Theology of Disney series this week with uh, a movie that both of us revisited recently, and I was reminded how many theological themes you might glean from it, which is The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's and this, also good timing between Christmas
1: and Halloween. And this movie is the third and final movie that we're doing in our Disney series that we started... At the beginning of the year uh, with The Lion King. And then we did our second movie in that series over the summer, uh, The Little Mermaid. And now the grand finale uh, for the holiday season Nightmare Before Christmas.
2: To see something strange. Come with us and you will see the Sarone of Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Pumpkin screen in the dead of night. This is Halloween. Everybody make a scene trick or treat. So the name gonna die of fight. Let's Let's
0: okay, so you rewatched it recently as well, Brett. So what was your impression um, after watching it for the first time in, in many years of the movie as all?
1: Well? well, I barely even remembered the movie, so it was almost like a, my first viewing of it. But my, my impression after watching it recently was bravo. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, it's not very long. It's only about an hour and 15 minutes it has that claymation style that tim burton is is famous for and i i really enjoyed it i thought that the story was was great i i thought it had very kind of universal kind of human story arc in it with the the main protagonist jack skeleton um it has a very creative design and uh, the way the way the the movie's filmed is is very creative and and well done, and, and has a lot of beauty to it, and the the songs as well. that's pretty much a musical. The songs are awesome from the movie, movie too, and and the characters are great. So man, I, I you know I used to have this idea that this movie was like this cult classic that only like people who dress dress kind of goth liked and stuff, <laughs> and but no, I uh, I thought it was a very good movie, and it was it's it's up there as far as animated movies as far as i'm concerned yeah i completely I really, agree yeah i really enjoyed it
0: yeah everything about it was super unique and it really it has a very immersive aesthetic world you know and yes. i thought and all the characters are really cool and unique and funny like the like the mayor with the two faces and yes um the, the little duck-esque uh scientists. i'm forgetting all the names and oogie boogie of course is a classic antagonist oogie boogie
1: oh i love me some oogie boogie baby so yeah the characters are very creatively designed That that's one of the the real strong aspects of the movie yeah
0: and like you said the music is amazing um it was uh, written and composed by a famous movie composer. I forgot his name, though. Do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, it might be um, Alan. Oh, it's either Alan Silvestri or the guy, the composer who works with Tim Burton on almost all of Yeah, his. yeah, yeah. It's him, whatever his name um, is. Oh, shoot. What is his name? It's. I'll look it up, Ben, while you're talking. All right. We're not going to waste dead air here,
0: but. Whoever that guy is did an uh, amazing job on the music, um, and I think he might have actually done Jack Skellington's voice, at least his singing voice in the movie. Because um, I was watching a performance, uh, a live performance that he was doing of "What's This," which we'll get into later, and his voice, w- like, was Jack Skellington's voice. So,
1: Danny Elfman. This is yes,
0: Danny Elfman.
1: Danny. Elfman. Yes.
0: I thought we would structure our conversation on The Nightmare Before Christmas around what I saw as Jack Skellington's spiritual quest, you might say, throughout the film. In many ways, I saw it as the spiritual quest that a modern, secular person might have in coming from a disenchanted, secular, modern mindset and way of viewing the world into a more ancient, a more Christian spiritualized way of experiencing the world let's begin at the beginning so the movie starts what a thought i know uh so the movie starts with jack uh he they've just finished halloween you know jack is the mastermind the coordinator each halloween of the monsters leaving halloween town on halloween night and going and scaring children and scaring people and Jack Skeleton orchestrates how they're going to do it each year. But Aphrodite, he gets all these uh, praises and so forth. He solemnly goes back to his house and he starts singing this song. um, I think it's called Jack's Lament, which is a really beautiful song. So we'll take a quick listen to
2: that. There are few who deny it. What I do, I am the best for my talents are renowned far and wide. When it comes to surprises in the moonlit night I excel without ever even trying With the slightest little effort of my ghost-like charms I have seen grown men give out a shriek With the wave of my hand in a well-placed moan, I have swept the very bravest off their feet Yet year after year It's the same routine And I grow so weary of the sound of screams And I, Jack, the Pumpkin King Have grown so tired of the same old thing Oh, somewhere deep inside of these bones And emptiness began to grow. There's something out there far from my home. A longing that I've never
0: known. All right, so that was Jack's Lament. So I thought the most important parts of the, or some of the most important parts of the lyrics there Where year after year, it's the same routine, and I grow so weary of the sound of screams, and I, Jack, the Pumpkin King, have grown so tired of the same old thing. Somewhere deep inside of these bones, an emptiness began to grow. There's something out there far from my home, a longing that I've never known.
1: Hey, Ben, is his name Jack Skeleton or Jack Skeleton?
0: Skellington, I-N-G
1: You love to say Skeleton, It's Skelling. it reminds you, Skellington it reminds, you of the, it reminds you of the dancing Scullies From the old uh, Disney animated short Listen, I love me a good Skelly But I'm saying his name right It's Skellington Okay, interesting So, yeah, Jack Well, Ben, you know, Jack's Lament Is, is a very powerful part of the story, right? Um, and, and this comes after you were introduced to Halloween Town through the opening number. This is Halloween, which we played at the beginning of the podcast. But that is this kind of introduction to the vibrancy in this overlay of Halloween in this town. That's all based on creepy, crawly, ghouly, Halloween-y stuff. And then you think all is well because Jack Skeleton is the main event. The movie actually <clears> begins. Jack Skellington. Skellington. I'm going to say Jack from here on out. (laughs) Jack is the main event in this town. He's like the man. He's like the most popular guy on campus. He's like the quarterback of the high school. He's the Grand Poobah. The Grand Poobah. And he is the master of ceremonies um, during their annual Halloween event in Halloween Town. So it's the most important day of the year for their town. And as we get into this lament, you you do see that despite all of these accolades that Jack receives, despite being the most popular guy in town, despite right. having everything in Halloween town standards, he still has this emptiness inside of him, you find out, through this lament that he expresses himself through this this song. And um it's very interesting because you you know he's you think after the The big party that Jack would be high on life, but you see that he's not you see that despite all of this He has a void inside of him that is not filled and he has this longing for something else beyond Halloween Town and beyond all of the 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 good things that he has in his life like his popularity and admiration and power It's very, very interesting to see that despite all that, he still finds himself feeling empty inside. Right. So as he says towards the end of the song, there's an empty place
0: in my bones that calls out for something unknown. The fame and praise come year after year does nothing for these empty tears. There's probably some significance you could get out of Jack being a skeleton who is empty (laughs) as a skeleton. He's He's the walking dead
1: walkers i saw a jack a jack skellington he was a walker halloween Town. we need to go
0: on a run to halloween town call <laughs> all
1: right anyway sorry for that random walking dead impression
0: so yeah kind of typical you know beginning of a spiritual quest you realize that everything by the standards said by the world that you live in the world that you know are just kind of superficial and there's a deeper void and a kind of uncanny longing, like we've talked about a lot before on this podcast. The, the longing for something you can't quite put your finger on. The joy, the Zenzo, to C.S. Lewis called it.
1: Yes, uh, you know we've seen this theme pop up, like like you just mentioned in many other episodes that we've done, and um, mm-hmm. it, it rears its head again in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. This this longing for something some fulfillment some beauty some end game to the story that we just can't put our finger on and that the world that we find ourselves in just does not seem to satisfy no matter what we do you know i think we all find ourselves in very similar situations as jack does in the movie and it's it's very poignant the fact that sometimes it's, and most of the time, it's the people with the most, the most material goods, the most power, the most accolades, the most pleasure that realize this fact the most, the most poignantly that this world really does not satisfy in the end. Right. And
0: I think that's because, or it might be because those at the top who have experienced more of what this world on its own has to offer can have more of an insight for how those things don't really fulfill. So it's easier to think maybe they'll fulfill us if we don't have them. If we, you know, we don't have, money or fame or good yeah, luck yeah we don't know this
1: cuz we haven't been to the top of the mountain so we still suspect that maybe once we reach this pinnacle where we have all these material goods that it will satisfy it's the people who are at the top that know for a fact that there there isn't satisfaction at the top of the mountain
0: right so jack skellington is a solomon an ecclesiastes figure here who has gained everything in the world. He's this, one of the most wealthy kings uh, in the area. He has all this worldly wisdom. But he looks at all of those things, and uh, he calls it dust or uh, you know mist that j- is just meaningless and just fades
1: away. Yeah.
0: OK, so Jack ponderously walks out of Halloween Town as the dawn is breaking. And this is kind of the beginning of his spiritual quest. As he's wandering and lament outside of the town, he comes into a a mystical forest, you might say, um, someplace new that he didn't know existed outside the borders of Halloween Town. And I think that's significant. First of all, the fact that he comes into this forest, that this place that he didn't know existed, but it happened in a fortuitous way. It happened when he wasn't looking for it, and it yeah. also happened at the border at the
1: margins of the world that he knows yes he does sort of a a a simba after mufasa's death walk into the abyss and stumbles across this little opening in the the wood that has these trees in a circle each one representing a different holiday with the holiday symbol on the tree and a door. So you have, like, Easter, Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas. He's obviously in the Halloween realm, but there's these portals to these other realms based on other holidays. Right, exactly.
0: And so he looks at this circle of of trees with these doors in them, and it's the one with, I think it's a Christmas tree on it. Uh, The door is a Christmas tree that really captures
1: Jack's attention out of all of the different doors. Yes. Because who doesn't love Christmas? Who isn't immediately captivated by a Christmas tree over all else?
0: Indeed. It's the spirit of Christmas, Paul and Skellington Inn.
1: Mm-hmm. Jack can't resist the call of
0: good old Santa Claus. So so this moment, Brett, um, almost Dante-esque as well, At the beginning of Dante's uh, Divine Comedy, it opens with uh, midway through life's journey, I found myself um, alone and in a dark wood, and the true way was hidden from me. Mm -hmm. And that begins the spiritual quest up to spiritual knowledge and experience. So are there any experiences in your own life, Brett, that you feel like could relate to this Skellington, Dante-esque moment?
1: I guess in my life, the the way... I've experienced this similar thing as Jack experiences when he wanders off in kind of the fringes of Halloween Town and comes up against these hidden portals and the beauty of the the Christmas tree painted on on the tree and 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 coming to this point where he's about to experience something new and more real and more grounded and more fresh. For me, it unfortunately I think took struggle for me to get there. It took a level of uh, suffering and, and hardship for me to get to that fringe. Um, I was forced out there into the woods. I guess you could say similar to Jack because he, the only reason he takes that walk is because he's uh, not satisfied with his life. And he doesn't, he just is tired of everything and tired of the routine and the sameness of Halloween town. So he just starts to wander. So it, it a similar thing in my life, pushed me out to the fringes it wasn't anything good or like beautiful i and I, I would suspect that maybe a lot of people would be in the same boat as me or jack where it's it's when life goes upside down on you that pushes you to the fringe where you encounter god and so that's what happened with me in my life and there was just a moment where i um you know, I, I didn't have anywhere to go, so I was kind of pushed to the fringe, and that's where God met me in a powerful way. and that was the beginning of me entering this new door that I would call my my walk with Christ. and um so that was that was a critical moment for me in my life. so I can definitely relate to Jack in this scene. Yeah.
0: It also reminds me too, just popping to my head of the uh, the wardrobe. To Narnia, yeah, definitely kind of similar thing going on. Definitely, but yeah, about you, yeah, I feel like I've had several times in my life that are similar to that. I would also say part of my process in coming back to Christianity a few years ago was almost very literally similar, <laughs> in that uh, in some ways it started with a few times when I, I used to take a lot of wandering hikes and walks in nature. Uh, uh, up here in upstate New York and some local national parks. And some of those times I was just caught off guard. Amazingly beautiful setting, golden hour lighting and everything. And then all of a sudden it seemed like there was something transcendent coming through, saturating the physical environment. It was like it was the presence of God in the the icon of the nature i was in so to speak yeah you know i suddenly f- i felt transported or all, all of a sudden it was, it was like a veil was lifted almost and i could see the transcendent reality coming through and
1: behind those physical things oh yeah, yeah. i i can relate to that 100 percent. my whole life has almost become about like finding these moments I've had these similar moments and they, they, they happen periodically where for some reason or another, the, the stars align. Normally it's, it's normally in a time of, of, of some sort of reflection, whether I'm taking a walk or I'm just like sitting down in a park or listening to a sermon or or music or people watching in a state of like relaxation. It only happens in some sort of, mostly in like these reflective moments where i feel like there's there's a veil that all of a sudden parts and and I, and like you said ben i can like see the true reality for a, a, a few minutes almost like the enchantedness of reality reveals itself to me all of a sudden and god's permeated spirit in everything reveals itself it comes out of nowhere and i almost base my life around these moments cuz it's in those moments where i feel like i have cl- like clarity a- a- like true perspective on on actually the larger story that's being played out in my life and in the world and one key p- component of these experiences for me is peace it doesn't matter what's going on in my life at that moment. It doesn't matter what good things or bad things are happening. It's always such a peaceful moment because I feel in these moments, I feel like I'm, I'm taken care of. I feel God's control over my life. And like, like almost like I can like rest my head, like on God's chest, so to speak, or something like I don't have everything figured out, but reality is is love reality is coming together to a happy ending and i and this peace floods me so i've had those moments of my life been as well and they're always fleeting as we always talk about on the podcast they don't they don't last but those moments are like the touchstones of my entire life in a way yeah i
0: can i completely agree it's I have the same sense in those moments where it's almost like part of what you're experiencing is the primordial peace that underlies everything. You're kind of experiencing the, the fundamental reality behind our day-to-day experiences and the sensory world is peaceful communion. Right? And the way we cast that out in the Christian tradition is it's the peaceful communion of the Trinity yes that that permeates and sustains all things but usually that reality is kind of veiled from us and we have the experience of chaos and disorder and violence
1: okay so i'm going to take this opportunity to bring up an idea that i've thought about and i've actually tried to make a note of to discuss at some point but this would be a good time to discuss it is i feel like god has revealed to me a number of times um because you know in my life i've i've experienced um anxiety some depression at times you know stuff that a lot of us go through and it's in those moments of anxiety or depression or fear like when fear grips you it feels like that is like an abyss like the anxiety or the fear or the darkness it's like you're, you're hanging over like a deep crevice of darkness it's so deep you can't even see the bottom God revealed to me one day that that's a lie. Even though I feel that way, that the depression, the fear, the anxiety, it's like a a thin surface. It's like a a veil that's disguised as this deep, all encompassing abyss. But in reality, you can you can punch through it, and that the true baseline of reality the true thing that is that is deep that is foundational that is the cornerstone of reality is love and peace my head was like light bulb went off i was like oh my goodness when i feel overcome by fear it's a lie the fear state of mind the anxious state of mind the depressed the darkness it's not the big monster that it feels like it is when when we're mentally psychologically in those states of mind and i think it's important for all of us people i'm sure especially in this modern society i'm sure a lot of people listening who experience some level of anxiety or depression or fearfulness in their life that when you feel those emotions come on you remember that it is a lie it's a facade from the enemy and no matter how you feel, no matter how deep it feels, the the reality, the, the the thing that really is the the links, the iron down in the crust of the earth of reality that holds everything together is. The pillars life. of Moria. The pillars of existence is this peace and love and shalom that flows from the true foundation of this world, which is the Trinity. Extremely
0: well put. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I like the term he used a few minutes ago, um, re-enchanting. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of popped out to me when Jack Skellington goes into the door and falls into
1: Christmas Town. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ben, I have a question for you. Yes. What is this?
2: What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone down What is this? What's this?
0: One of the most joyous songs, I reckon, in any Disney movie. Oh, I love it yeah i feel like what's going on with jack in that is when like we were just talking about that veil is is lifted at least for a period it can be attended by this renewed sense of the enchantment of the world that you were just kind of blind to before it's almost like this spiritual vision that you have it's like oh my god you just kind of you want to explore it right what's this what's this you know it's like this childlike wonder of everything around you again exactly yeah and i've definitely found that to be the case as well is part of retrieving that spiritual or sacramental vision of the world is you do start to more naturally attend to small things and the wonder of small things you know whether it be a flower or the way light is hitting something or whatever so when Jack Skellington gets back to Halloween Town, he calls a town meeting because he wants to share this. He wants to share it with the other occupants of Halloween Town, all of but his quirky,
1: weird but but uh, enduring Halloween Town citizens. You have like yeah. these <laughs> vampires. And like these witches and like this little band, like one guy has a saxophone and they're all like gooey yeah. looking. Other oh, guy... that guy, that guy is my favorite. He's the guy
0: at the beginning when Jack, when Jack's about to sing his lament, he, he flips a coin in that hand. Yeah. and the little saxophone guy is like, what, what does he say?
1: He's like, thanks Tuts. I don't know what he No, saying.
0: he says uh, something bone daddy.
1: Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah Bone Daddy." <laughs> like, thanks, Bone Daddy.
0: Nice work, Bone Daddy.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Just like last year, and the year before that, and the year before that. Real quick, here you go, Ben. Bone Daddy. Oh man, that was disturbing. That was very disturbing. That there might. There you happen. go, folks. That one's for free. There's some that, ass- that, that might ha- that might have to be edited out. Sorry about that. <sighs> Yeah, I got one for you, Bone Daddy. Whoa, easy on that breath on the tail end of that one, man. Good God, Bone daddy. <laughs> <laughs> What do you heard that in the darkness of your bedroom at night, coming out of coming out from underneath your bed? Um, <laughs> So I, anyway, hope, I, hope, I hope one day myself to be a bone daddy. After, All right, so, so it, it, easy. So, so after that debauchery, um, let's let's get back on track here. The bottom line is, I love the occupant occupants occupants. occupants of yes. Halloween Town, and ben, don't don't forget about Jack's Bay. She's always oh, like following him yes, around. Sally. Alley. Yep, Sally. we can be
0: like Jack and Sally if we want.
2: Sally. I need your help
1: more than anyone. You certainly do, Jack. Oh, dang. You're right, man. You never realized that? <laughs> no, I just realized that you right are. That the ex- y-
0: no, it's Blink-182. I miss you. Y- oh, Blink-182. Y- Y'all are 182. experiencing a live and a living color Eureka moment with Brett right now. <clears throat> you just heard the light bulb go off by what that lyric meant. Bone Daddy. All right. So Jack Skellington calls his town hall and he wants to try and describe the experience that he's just had and tell them about Christmas Town, but he finds that words fail him.
2: Tell you about Christmas Town. There were objects so peculiar they were not to be believed all around, things to tantalize my brain it's a world unlike anything i've ever seen and as hard as i tried i can't seem to describe like a most improbable dream but you must believe when i tell you this it's as real as my skull and it does exist here let me show you
1: can i just say real quick i have felt like jack Skellington trying to present his experience to the townsfolk so many times in my life. One thing I love to do, Ben... As, an, as my personality lends itself. It's like when I experience something that I feel like is profound or very beautiful, I need to share it. I need to tell people what I experience. And guess what, Ben? Every time I do, I can tell no one really cares and no one really gets it. And it's always so frustrating because when I'm in it, it's like the most profound thing ever. So all I want to do is tell somebody And then when I try to describe it, people just, they just don't really get it. And it just falls flat. So I definitely have felt like Jack in this scene. I know exactly, exactly what you're saying.
0: And again, it kind of goes back to the C.S. Lewis Zenzuk thing again, where he describes, you know, you almost feel embarrassed or uncomfortable trying to talk about it because you almost know that there's no way you can capture what you're trying to describe unless the other person has experienced it themselves yeah but that's not always the case right yeah (laughs) so like one of the things he says in his little ditty during the town meeting is it's a world unlike anything i've ever seen and as hard as i try i can't seem to describe like a most improbable dream everyone please now not so fast because they're all trying to be like oh is there a foot in the stocking they're all is there a decapitated head in yeah. this style? <laughs> so the, <laughs> all the ha- Halloween occupants are trying to inject their own assumptions about what you're talking about and Jack's like no that's not what it is right? and I think we can all relate to that kind of experience too and so Jack says everyone please now not so fast there's something here that you don't quite
1: grasp these Halloween folk were not getting the beauty that is Christmas yes so anyway, after this... By, Jack... by the way,
0: if, if Christmas is not your favorite holiday, people, stop being a Halloween-y occupant. Be
1: like Jack. In the words of Game of Thrones, Shame! 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 <laughs> okay, so after Jack falls on his face trying to describe the wonder of Christmas in this town hall that he summons he's frustrated right so in his frustration and in his determination he goes to the local scientist of Halloween town who's like this this like obsessive like controlling uh, big daddy figure <laughs> over Sally I guess he made Sally yeah
0: he's like a doctor Frankenstein but with a yeah. little duck face you
2: meet the the nightshade you slipped me wore off Sally let go you're not ready for so much excitement yes I am you're coming with me no I'm not oh. come back here you fool oh. Oh.
1: and so Jack goes over to his crib and uh, for supplies for some scientific supplies, you know, beakers and uh, beakers and beakers. I don't even know what what else. You know, the science uh, stuff. Petri- maybe a microscope, a microscope. Electricity. Yeah, science, science, science equipment, and brings it back to his uh, house to conduct experiments, scientific experiments on all of the Christmas. Um paraphernalia paraphernalia that he pretty much stole <laughs> from Christmas Town. and so begins Jack's obsession
2: something's up with Jack something's up with Jack don't know if we're ever going to get him back he's all alone up there locked away inside Never says a word. Hope he hasn't died. Something's up with Jack. Something's up with Jack. Christmas time is buzzing in my skull. Will it let me be, I cannot tell. There are so many things I cannot grasp. When I think I've got it, then at last. Through my bony fingers, it does slip. Like a snowflake in a fiery grip Something here I'm not quite getting Though I try, I keep forgetting Like a memory Long since past Here in an instant, gone in a flash What does it mean? What does it mean?
0: So there's so much packed into that song. I, I feel like this scene and the lyrics of that song are what jumped out at me the most spiritually in the movie. So what were some of your thoughts as you were watching that scene, Brett?
1: my okay so my thoughts reflecting on the scene after the fact were that Jack tries to do what a lot of people try to do when it comes to God is they try to scientifically discover God you know and that's what atheists always say who who claim there's no God say well science hasn't found God we don't have scientific tangible proof that there is a God just a category error just beyond belief but no one tells these atheists this and they just keep on their merry way and yeah. they in their just excruciating category er- errors but no <laughs> they'll, they'll just continue um, anyway Jack falls into the same trap he's like i I felt this warmth inside of me i felt this jolliment i felt this wonder i need to figure out what this is and he goes about trying to figure out what it is scientifically which is the totally wrong way to go about it because this this intangible longing and wonder and fulfillment and love and warmth that he got from being in christmas town isn't from any like physical, tangible, like material thing in in the in reality, it's, right? It's, it's it's. He thinks beyond. maybe he
0: can he can find it and or reduce it. Yeah. To the, to the things that it comes through, or the things yes, that, or the things that symbolize it.
1: Yes. So I'll go go to Lewis and probably where you want this been, I'll, I'll hand over hand it over to you after this but like C.S. Lewis says you know when a lot of us feel these longings through something we a lot of times first mistakenly think that the the beauty is found in what we experienced it through whether it be like a sunset or a particular movie or a particular song or in nature we think it's like embedded in one of those things But the so we try to recapture it sometimes. Like, let me go back to the same spot on the hike that I felt the longing. Let me watch the movie again. Let me listen to the song again where I felt this. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way. You go back and you realize it's not there anymore because the beauty that is found is not found in those things. It's found through those things. Those things are portals from – what is beyond this physical reality Intangibles tangibles like love and peace and jolliment and warmth and longing go, comes through those things and permeates our experience. So it can't be discovered scientifically, and that is what Jack tries to do. And it's just going to be a fail because it's not found in the stocking. It's not found in the Christmas tree. It's not found in the Christmas light. Right.
0: Yeah. So just to review some of the lyrics in that great song here that convey that. So he says, Christmas time is buzzing in my skull. Will it, will it let me be? I cannot tell. There's so many things I cannot grasp when I think I've got it. Then at last through my bony fingers, it does slip like a snowflake and a fiery grip. That's a great line right there. I didn't pay enough attention to that, like a snowflake and a fiery grip. Wow something's here i'm not quite getting though i try i keep forgetting like a memory long since past here in an instant gone in a flash what does it mean something's hidden through a door though i do not have the key something's there i cannot see what does it mean and so on and so forth so i've been reading say maximus the confessor recently and he talks about something similar like this where he almost thinks that Something like this is the origin of the fall itself. He paints the narrative in Genesis where it says, Eve looked at the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saw that it looked good, right? That it was good, it was pleasurable to the eye and good for eating. And Maximus gives a holistic analysis of what's wrong with humanity, by talking about this moment, and it ties into what we're talking about, where basically the root of the fall is that we look at the surface, the sensory properties of things, and we mistake those things for the thing that's valuable, the thing that has the fulfillment and the value in it, that the, the ends are the sensory aspects. When the reality was that the entire sensory world is like a sensory cloak or clothing of the Logos. So all the sensory world is just a symbol. It's a bunch of sensory physical symbols that express in different ways what Maximus calls the intelligible realities, the Logoi, that all these different expressions of the Logos, the transcendent Logos Christ. And so we see the sensory, the the cosmic clothing of Christ, and we mistake the clothing or the symbol for the thing that's valuable in itself. The particular colors, the particular light, the particular physical pleasure, when all those things are just sacraments uh, pointing towards the transcendent
1: reality. Yeah, for sure. That's a very very well described way to, to get at this point of the, the separation between the physical tangible reality and how that relates to the intangible, to the eternal, to God himself and the, the distinguishing and distinct difference between the two, but how the two are related. And I think it's just, it's, it's a very important thing to have Some accuracy on in your mind, especially as a Christian believer, to kind of start to build your perception of reality in a more accurate way. And it, that's why those who don't believe fall into this um, failure of, of scientism is what is what it's called. Where they, they believe everything, the secularists, the materialists believe everything can be narrowed down to this tangible reality, this observable universe, period. And, and, and all, it creates all this, knowledge
0: has to take the scientific empirical form of knowledge.
1: Yeah. And um, C.S. Lewis has a... a, a, a kind of a cool way of um, pointing out this error of scientism that so many people fall into, especially in this postmodern world. And Lewis says, um, looking for God or heaven by exploring space or exploring the physical universe is like reading or seeing all Shakespeare's plays in the hope that you will find Shakespeare as one of the characters in the play. (laughs) Right Which is, of course, ridiculous. He's the one that's outside of the stories of the of the plays that he wrote. He right. is the author of the plays. He's not a character within the play. Just like God is not a being among many within the physical universe. To right. me, that's a pretty straightforward thing. But I mean, the 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 new atheist movement, which I feel like has lost some steam in recent years, yeah. but was kind of so God yeah hitting its high notes like maybe ten, fifteen years ago is an obvious category error fail that you can easily point out quickly, you know, but yeah. if you're blind to not seeing those those category errors, then you're not I guess you're just not going to see them you know if you don't yeah. want to see them. I also just thought
0: of maybe a related analogy to c s Lewis's the scientific fallacy is is also like looking at a word, like an inscription of a word and trying to decipher what the meaning of that word is by studying the physical structure, the physical properties of the word on the page. Yeah. But you can't do
1: that. Exactly.
0: Like, I don't know the meaning of Chinese, so I can't just pick up, I can't just look at the symbol, a Chinese symbol, character, and figure out what it means by just staring at the physical properties of it. Yeah and that's and that's the same for Maximus the confessor that's the same with the universe the the logos is the meaning that the sensory cosmos is the syntax it's the thing that the meaning cloaks itself in
1: yeah and and rounding it back to nightmare before christmas this is the exact error that jack falls into when he tries to put christmas decorations under a microscope and study it to try to find the meaning of christmas you're not gonna find it there and not gonna find it within science um but then you know coming off of this obsession that he has and trying to figure out the science of christmas he kind of has this eureka moment that he can control christmas that he can you know he can become the pumpkin king of not only halloween town but of christmas as well so he's like, "Yes, I am Jack. I am the man. I am going to I'm going to make Christmas my own. I'm going to make Christmas Halloween Town's own. And I'm going to even improve upon Christmas. I'm going to make it even better through my Jack Skellington ways, you know?" <laughs> so he ends up trying to control Christmas, and the beginning of this is he 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 tries to play the role of Santa Claus. This is what he's going to do. So, he uh, brings these three, uh, like, child trick-or-treaters. Lock, stock, and barrel. B- Boogie Man. Yeah. Uh, boogies Boogie's uh, henchman. Bo- boogie's henchman. Boogie has not even burst onto the scene yet. He's still, like, hanging out in his lair outside of town. But he has these three little kid henchmen that are, like, they're dressed as trick-or-treaters. And Jack tasks them to go kidnap Santa Claus. So, uh, Jack can... Uh, learn the ways of the claws, and he can become the better Santa Claus, you know, wear his hat, and wear the same outfit, and everything. So, uh, the the kids go get Santa Claus, bring him back, and then Jack says, hey, take care of Santa Claus, they actually end up bringing him back to Boogie's Lair for the grand finale. (laughs) But in the meantime, Jack uh, dresses up as Santa Claus, has, like, the scientists create, like, his, some scully deer, a reindeer, like, skeleton reindeer, and uh, he's gonna, and then he, like, Packs up a bunch of gifts that are all like horrific, like Halloween Town gifts, like disembodied <laughs> heads and worms and monsters and you know all this crazy stuff that all the Halloween Town occupants have been creating because At, it, their their
0: act, perspective acting as
1: doing. elves. But obviously, all these Halloween Town people they don't really know what Chris is all about, so they're kind of deluded. They're kind of under this this delusion that they can incorporate their Halloweeny ways into Christmas. <laughs> And then so Jack, it's Christmas Eve, and Jack's ready to, to fly off with the skeleton reindeer and present the world with all of these very disturbing gifts. <laughs> he goes out, starts giving all these gifts out. The kids are having none of it, man. The kids are freaking out for all these, like, weird, like horror kind of disturbing things that they're opening up and then like this hits the news around the world like this, who is this imposter who's like imposter like, uh, acting as Santa Claus like ruining Christmas for everybody so they bring out the military man they start like <laughs> shooting shooting like freaking rocket launchers at Jack <laughs> as he's just trying to go about his merry way he's like oh look my dog uh, uh, whatever his dog's name is Zero he's like look yes. they're ce- they're celebrating with fireworks cuz we're doing such a good job. And then Zero's like no, they're you know, they're <laughs> shooting at us cuz we're, we're we're stinking up Christmas. <laughs> so they end up shooting them down. And then Jack ends up just it, this whole trying to control Christmas B Santa Claus just ends in disaster. Like his sleigh goes down, he ends up just passed out and injured over this tombstone on the ground with his his little Santa Claus outfit on. It's actually a really poignant visual when I saw it. I was like, oh my goodness.
2: done? How could I be so blind? All this lost, where was I? Spoiled all, spoiled all. I done, what have I done, find a deep cave to hide in, in a million years they'll find me only dust and a plaque that reads: here lies poor old Jack.
1: I found myself in that position before in my life. So So I have to to say, Brett,
0: (laughs) what this reminded me of is everything that I hate about super progressive Christianity. Oh, no. (laughs) Like mainline, liberal, watered-down Christianity. It it reminded me of that. You
1: love it. Oh,
0: man those dang liberals (laughs) um but for real it just reminded me of that because it reminds me of the attitude that some quote-unquote christians can have where they're like well i know you know such and such is the tradition you know the faith handed down you know uh from the saints from the apostles but you know we we and i kind of know better about some of these things now we're more enlightened, so we can make Christianity better, right? Oh, we wow. can make we can make Christianity great for the first time.
1: That's right? an angle I didn't even get from that, but yeah. yeah, that that can work. that definitely. I see that now that you right? mention it.
0: so like, you know, the reduction of Christianity to just a social gospel or denying some of the miraculous aspects of the faith, um, or, you know, say, denying the Trinity or the virgin birth because it's not, quote unquote. Rational, you know, now we know better, we can control it, we can make Christianity in our own modern image, you know. And just like with Jack Skellington, that's failed. All mainline Protestant denominations have been collapsing, you know, for a long time now. Um, It's evangelical and more uh, Orthodox denominations, at least in the United States, that are growing, while mainline denominations are bleeding members. Because when you try to control the faith or make it into your own image, like Jack does with Christmas, you realize you just fail and you rob it of what it actually is. You rob it of its actual essence and what gave it power in the first place. Yeah. Yes, very good point. So leave the apostles alone. Leave Santa Claus alone.
1: And for the love of God, leave origin alone. (laughs)
2: Leave (laughs) Leave leave origin alone. Leave Origin alone.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway. So Ben, Jack Skeleton doesn't die from his the rocket launcher to his sleigh. <laughs> well, that's because he's a skeleton. He rises like a phoenix from the ashes, Ben. And he doesn't lose his identity from the failure of trying to control Christmas. God just like God does to, to us sometimes, he puts us on our back. <laughs> into a vulnerable position and then we wait and then we realize the true meaning of things and and jack skelton realizes the true meaning of christmas and how it's not meant to be controlled it's not meant to be discovered through a scientific method and that he needs to leave the big shoes and the big guns to the fat man himself the og santa claus the big so guns. So he goes back with this this renewed just vision of 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 who he is. The true enchantment of Christmas comes over him again, and uh, he goes to see what these trick or treaters have done with Santa Claus. And little does Jack know that they have been keeping Santa Claus captive in Oogie Boogie's lair, and Oogie Boogie is having a time with Santa and his like. This is, is a casino room or whatever it is.
2: Well, well, well. What have we here? Santa Claus, huh? Ooh! I'm really scared. So you're the one everybody's talking about. <laughs> you're joking. You're joking! I can't believe my eyes! You're joking me! You gotta be! This can't be the right guy! He's ancient, he's ugly. I don't know which is worse. I might just split a seam now if I don't die laughing first. And Mr. Oogie Boogie says there's trouble close at hand. You better pay attention now, cause I'm the boogeyman.
1: I love me some Oogie Boogie. <laughs> full of bugs, man. Yeah, ha- and I love Have how- you ever felt full of bugs? I sure have, folks. Oh, for sure. I also love how Jack's Bay Sally is always by his side doing his yeah. dirty work. <laughs> yep. So the Santa's
0: freed, everything's good again, and uh, Halloween Town gets its first proper Christmas snow. They're all making snow angels. They finally get it, and they live happily ever after. And that's the nightmare before Christmas, the spiritual odyssey of Jack Skellington. <laughs>
1: Forgive me, Mr. Claus. I'm afraid I've made
2: a terrible mess of your holiday. Bumpy sleigh ride, Jack. The next time you get the urge to take over someone else's holiday, I'd listen to her. her. She's the only one who makes any sense around this insane asylum. Skeletons. I hope there's still time. To fix Christmas? Of course there is. I'm Santa Claus. He'll fix things, Jack. He knows what to do.
1: How did you get down here, Sally?
2: Oh, I, I was trying to well, I wanted to to
1: to help.
2: Me. I couldn't let you just
1: Sally, I can't believe. I never realized that you
2: Jack! Jack! Mm-hmm. Here he is. Alive. Just like we said. Grab a hold, my boy. Whoa! Folks, Santa Claus, the one and only, has finally been spotted. Old Saint Nick appears to be traveling at supersonic speed. He's setting things right, bringing joy and cheer wherever he goes. Yes, folks, Chris Kringle has pulled it out of the bag and delivered Christmas to excited children all over the world.
1: Oh, yeah. Darn good movie right there. Darn good movie. Mm-hmm. I would say it, say it, then just uh, get it out of your system. Bone Daddy.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, okay, so (laughs) that
2: daddy. Bone
1: Daddy. Bone
2: Daddy. Daddy. (laughs) That was Mario. (laughs) Bone Daddy. (laughs) Bone Daddy. (laughs) A bone daddy. Yeah, daddy!
0: Oh, here it comes, Brett. This is the final one. Boom! Daddy.
1: Whoa! I know you could get that low, Benny boy. Wow!
0: <laughs> Anytime you think I can't get low, I can't get <laughs> as low, I get lower.
1: They, they just moved the limbo pole of bass, voice bass down even lower. And, and, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm Jack Skellington
0: look. straight bending underneath that
1: goalpost. Anyway, that's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Great movie, guys. The if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, check it out. It's on Disney Plus streaming in a household near you. Or you can just, you know, stream it illegally online. Yep. either way. No, that's sinful. Never mind. All right, Theologizers. We will be coming at you soon. Me and Ben are trying to do something that's very tough for us. Two episodes in one month. We are trying to get off our four-week timeline for each for one episode every four weeks to try to get a second Christmas episode, our, our Grand bois Christmas special that will be coming out to you closer to Christmas Day. And it's going to be all about I think one of the best stories ever written, which is a Christmas carol. Indeed. We're very much looking forward to it.
0: We're going to get all our, all our notes and our thoughts together for you, theologizers, and hopefully it'll be a Christmas jamboree.
1: Indeed. Well, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, theologizers, and we will uh, catch you on our next episode very soon.
0: And a very primordial peace to all of you. And don't forget. Bone
2: Daddy. This is the Theo Bros podcast <sighs> Yeah.
1: Nice
0: work, Bone Daddy.